I'm going to just call you again, Commissioner Alexander, with my mic on. Commissioner yes, Alexander? Yes, I'm here. Thank you. Commissioner Fisher? Commissioner Lamb? Here. Commissioner Masamini? Commissioner Sanchez? Here. Vice President Weissman Ward? President Bogus? Here. Uh, at this time, before the board goes into closed session, I call for any speakers to the closed session items listed in the agenda. There will be a total of five minutes for speakers. Do we have any speaker cards here in person? We do not have any in-person speakers. Do we have any virtual speakers? We do not have any virtual speakers. Okay. So now, at this time, I recess this meeting at 5.03 p.m. TV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television. SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
also acknowledge that uh, we have Commissioner Fisher joining us remotely. Uh, and with that, I will read the readout from closed session. In five matters of anticipated litigation, the board by a vote of seven yeses gives direction to the general counsel. In the matter of student RM versus SFUSD OAH case number 20230905594, the board by a vote of seven yeses gives the authority of the district to pay up to the stipulated amount. In the matter of student KL versus SFUSD OAH case number 20230904, one eight, the board by a vote of seven yeses gives the authority of the district to pay up to the stipulated amount. In the matter of student AKS versus SFUSD, OAH case number 20230803399, the board by a vote of seven yeses gives the authority of the district to pay up to the stipulated amount. And that concludes the readout from closed session. Before we move forward, I'm going to read our land acknowledgement and then we'll proceed with uh, our meeting. We the Board of San Francisco, we the San Francisco Board of Education acknowledge that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatushaloni, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Romatushaloni have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibility as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all people who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush community and by affirming their sovereign rights as first people. And now we will move to item D on our agenda and we will begin our progress monitoring a workshop and the board will uh, transition seats. No, that's good. 
Okay. Good evening, commissioners. Good evening. Um, so tonight is one of our progress monitoring workshops, and I'm excited about tonight. This is our first progress monitoring workshop on a guardrail um, instead of a goal. So just as a reminder to all of us and, and for the public that's listening, when the board adopted, um, it, we adopted, we say for shorthand, our VVGGs, our vision, values, goals, and guardrails. And the goals are a way to represent what uh, the vision of the community is in terms of how we would demonstrate progress towards that vision. It's not all-encompassing, but it identifies in particular what students know and are able to do. So those goals are in smart format. Our guardrails represent what the values of our community. So the guardrails themselves are actually more statements about what we will not do in order to uh, to ensure we're not violating our guardrails. And then as part of this process though, for our guardrails, it's still the superintendent's responsibility to identify interim guardrails, which are in the SMART goal format, to represent what it is, um, how we think we might measure progress in honoring that value. So tonight we're talking about our guardrail related to serving the whole child. And I think this is, the, the, the measure we've used around chronic absenteeism, I think is one that's definitely representative of how we're serving the whole child and important to our community. And I say that because I just want to um, remind uh, the board of our conversations. And I remember being out in community with you all when talking about what should we focus on. And this was now a year ago, coming, you know, still recovering from the effects of the pandemic. And attendance came up time and again at every meeting and chronic absenteeism. And even ourselves, we had to continue to question our, C our Council of Great City Schools facilitator, like, why are we not looking at, uh, why can't we identify a goal around attendance? But um, as we've learned, attendance is not a measure of what students know are able to do. It's really a measure of what adults are doing, either by supporting students to get to school or at school making sure we're keeping them engaged and so they, they continue to come to school. Uh, but it felt really appropriate to make this an interim guardrail and have a SMART goal because it did come up so often as, as an issue and it is a way to show that we're serving the whole child by ensuring that the child comes to school. Because if a child's not in school, uh, they're not learning. Um, and so, um, so this is our progress monitoring report around interim guardrail 2.1. And what I'm going to do is share a little bit of uh, the, the data and the interpretation uh, and then turn it over to Associate Superintendent of Schools, Demetrius Rice Mitchell, to speak a little bit more in depth about our interpretation, particularly the root cause analysis we did. We'll pause just if there's any questions just about the data and root cause analysis, and then we'll share what's the evidence and plan. So what are we doing and what's the evidence that we think this plan will help, uh, help us meet our target? So that's the plan for, and then we'll have a, a discussion on it. That's the plan for this evening. Um, so you can see that for interim guardrail 2.1, it's around reducing chronic absenteeism from 29% from 21-22 to 24% in 23-24. Uh, we did actually make progress last year in reducing chronic absenteeism, um, I, but we still need to get, uh, make more progress to get down to our goal of 24%. And when you look at uh, our data and disaggregated by our student groups, you see there's some 
student groups and we're going to need to make significantly more progress if we're going to meet that overall goal of reducing tar uh, uh, chronic absenteeism. And that's that targeted universalism approach. We have a universal goal of reducing it by 2%, but to meet that goal, we need to take a targeted approach to ensure that more of our Pacific Islander students are um, attending school more regularly, more of our African American students or um, our foster youth students are here in our schools on a daily basis. Um, we did include data on the sense of belonging. That's a separate guard rail. In our calendar, we're going to uh, share progress in March. So our apologies if there was any confusion about why we included this data in the attendance one. We did include it just because we want, we, we want to recognize that a student's sense of belonging can greatly impact their, um, you know, their desire and interest in coming to school, particularly as students get older and, um, you know, and, and while they're expected to be in school every day, you know, they have more agency and may feel like this isn't a place for them. And so you can see the sense of belonging has has gone down uh, similarly to how our chronic absenteeism has, has overall gone down the last several years. And so we see that related. And you'll hear us speak to that in some of our strategies. Uh, but this, this report is focused on improving the uh, outcomes, uh, improving our growth, uh, improving, uh, I guess it is the outcomes around uh, chronic absenteeism, um, not sense of belonging. Uh, so with that being said, looking at this, we are um, off track. Uh, although we made progress, we're not, uh, you know, where we need to be. And so we wanted to understand a little bit more what's impacting um, chronic absenteeism and how it affects our students' uh, progress towards our academic goals. And so uh, on page two, you see some of that analysis uh, um, as well, and we speak to the um, sense of, of belonging again and why we see that as related. Uh, what I wanted to um, move to, though, is, is turn it over to uh, Associate Superintendent of Schools, Demetrius Rice Mitchell, to talk a little bit more about our root cause analysis, as well as what we learned about how we uh, uh, are syst you know, systematically um, taking attendance and tracking attendance in the district. So. I'll turn it over to Ms. Rice-Mitchell. All right. Good evening, commissioners and everyone here. Good to see you all this evening. So as Dr. Wayne said, I'm going to talk a little bit about our process, root, root cause analysis, um, what we discovered, talk a little bit about um, process flowchart. You see that. And then um, do a little discussion around our theory of action. And then Assistant Superintendent Eric Guthers will be more specific about some of the um, activities that we're doing and outcomes. So as we embarked on developing this strategic district-wide plan to reduce chronic absenteeism, we started by seeking out individual um, input from both students, families, and um, staff perspectives. We conducted some um, interviews to better understand the experience that individuals were having um, as it related to chronic absenteeism. And so what you see on um, figure two is a fishbone diagram. And so what emerged from there were six um, I guess six different themes that came from there. So this was right after the pandemic. Sites lack clarity on what to do to improve attendance. The quality of uh, attendance data was inconsistent. There was a decrease in resources and infrastructure to address attendance patterns. And after the pandemic, families were returning to in-person with, with a lot of increased needs. Students' sense of belonging had decreased and mindsets had shifted around um, the quality, the con continuity of um, taking daily attendance. 
And so um, what we see here, you see the diagram on figure three. So just want to kind of walk you through what the boxes mean. The yellow boxes are like the daily process. What should happen when we do like daily attendance? The blue is just da daily um, reporting. The pink boxes where we really want to focus and to shift our attention is really looking at ways that we can um, intervene early and begin to have conversations so it's not the same and we see the same um, outcomes. And so from this, um, we started to develop our theory of action. But before that, we know that the Council of Great City School called us to cascade the interim guardrails, reducing chronic absenteeism. You then, the board, gave, us, gave governance to the superintendent in managing this process through um, various um, uh, district systems, in school district systems. The superintendent, using a logic model, then charged us. We're cascading it all the way down until um, we get to the school sites. He um, articulated to this, um, the light to us, our staff, to create this um, logic model using four. Um, uh, I lost my word. I don't know what it is. Criteria. That's what he did. <laughs> um, really looking at inputs, activities outputs and outcomes. I want to direct your attention now to figure four. And so really looking at, this is the work that we've developed in the inception of school, really looking at the activities and then looking at um, the outputs um, to date. And so four things that we're really, really focusing on, and this is the investing in building capacity and individualized school supports in cohorts and meetings and principal um, check-ins. Committing to research-based messaging and administrating nudge letters, automatizing monthly truancy notices, and applying additional supports for African-American and Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander students. And so with those activities, putting those into place, what schools have begun to do, schools have completed, and um, Mr. Guthers will talk more about that, um, CCT attendance plans to support positive culture and a whole school-wide attendance um, strategies. Schools have also began to reflect on student data and attendance data in their weekly CCT meetings. And then finally, um, Mr. Guthers will go into more detail. We have a cohort of schools in high school and middle schools who are um, meeting as a community of practice utilizing street data to focus on secondary attendance. I'm going to turn it over to Mr. Guthers to talk more about some activities and measures and some um, outputs to date. Good evening, everybody. Um, great to be here with you all. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the key strategies and activities and then the outputs. And when we think about activities, think about what's happening both centrally and in collaboration with sites. And then with the outputs, it's more site-focused. Um, and I'm not going to say them all because there's a whole litany of them. And I know you've got the documents here, but we're going to up upload them, uh, up uplift some of them. And I'm going to do the activities in three categories. The first category is around uh, cascading capacity, uh, to, uh, capacity building for central and site staff. And that's really critical. So this work has to have the, the buy-in and the knowledge and the support of all of us together collectively in order to shift practices and to shift outcomes for students. And so ca capacity building is key. Um, two highlights or three highlights from the capacity building that I'd like to talk about are number one, in the summer, we held for the first time that I can think of in my 23 years in this district, um, 
all admin, which is when all the admin come together, mandatory uh, attendance trainings. And they were really robust and really um, well received in which we, we, we shared our updated attendance manuals. We talked about best practices. We talked about changes in the law around excused and unexcused absences and went really deep and then really started to create connections between sites and central so that they knew who to go to and who to reach out to. And we did that uh, over the course of those several days and we've continued building on, on that, that foundation. In addition to that, we have ongoing citywide, that's the TK to 8 um, PDs for all site leaders, and ongoing a cohort uh, for middle school and, and high school as well, where we're really staying focused on our attendance practices and around how do we, how do we make um, visible the issues that we see at all levels so that students come to school ultimately so that students can academically succeed. And then finally, really building the, the capacity of all of the folks that are both at the central level and at the site level on the ground. So we're working with our CWALS, our, our child welfare attendance liaisons, regularly, monthly, and, and actually a little bit more fre frequently than that, our school uh, social workers and our family liaisons to do trainings and supports as well so that everybody has this focus. The second area is around research-based strategies, and we've got two that I wanted to uplift. Um, one is around our Attendance Awareness Month uh, that we, we started in September, uh, and I'm just going to read a little bit uh, to you fr from that, which is, uh, you know, we, we celebrated Attendance Awareness Month in, in September. We created new outreach resources to families founded on research from Attendance Works, and we tailored them to our district. This included family letters to welcome and make connections, uh, shared presentations for school sites, and gave a lot of resources to both families and, 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 and the schools around the understanding of chronic absenteeism and its connection to um, academic su success. One aside that I didn't have in here is because it just came out today is we also had an art contest for our students uh, around attendance and why it's so important. And we used the tagline of, you belong here. And you should see some of the artwork. It's quite gorgeous. The other research-based strategy we've been using, and we just started on October 4th, is our nudge letters. Now, we do our truancy letters. That's mandated by the state. We have to do those. But we also know that those truancy letters can land a little hard because they're very legalese and very, uh, very like, matter of fact. Our nudge letters are different. They're texts and there's letters just reminding families of the importance of coming to school, offering resources and supports to both sites and families around the attendance. And we are strategically having those come out uh, during the year, but particularly at holiday times, because we know that those are major times when families uh, sometimes miss school as well, both before and after. Um, and what we target are students and students that have from 5% absentee rate to 95%. And so that's been really uh, critical for our work. And again, as I said, our first nudge letters were on the October 4th. The third strategy I want to talk about is around targeted universalism. And we've got several strategies around that, but two that I want to highlight. One is particularly around our CSACE um, think tank monthly meetings, which is um, our, our uh, uh, comprehensive coordinated early intervening services. And that team meets regularly um, to think about uh, across all sorts of divisions. You've got CNI there, you've got SFSD there, you've got LEAD there, uh, RPA, just, just uh, special ed. Really thinking about focus on our African-American and our, and our Pacific Islander students cross-divisionally with how are we creating action plans and follow-up at the site level to support um, 
students and families in, sh in, 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 in the highest level that we can, particularly focused on the guardrail over the serving the whole child, which includes uh, attendance, the one that we're talking about today, and sense of belonging. Uh, this week alone, we just had a meeting around student di uh, discipline, and we looked at how attendance is involved in that as well. And then the second round targeted universalism, I'm gonna talk more in just a moment around the CCT attendance plans, but many of our CCT attendance site plans that every site created have an area of focus for African-American and Pacific Islander students as well. These activities and many others support systemic change, we believe, both for our sites and centrally, and lead us to our outputs, thinking about what's happening at the site level. So two that I'll end with here, one is around the street data community of practice for our pilot middle school and high school sites, which is focused on an equity-centered inquiry question. All of them, and I just reviewed uh, all of them today, uh, recently, all of them are focused on supports for African-American and uh, Pacific Islanders students and families as well which is really, we're really excited to see how that goes. And then very, very importantly, and something that I'm super personally proud of, is the fact that this is the first time that I know of that we've actually had every single site create very detailed, very thoughtful and rich, created by them at the site level, their CCT site attendance plans, which includes their, their tier one strategies, their tier two strategies, and some of their tier three strategies. It includes focus on focal students as well. And the, the, the piece that I'm very proud of is not only do we have sites do that, but we want a feedback loop. So we created collectively a rubric that we created in the schools division between the SFSD and LEAD together. And then LEAD EDs and LEAD assistant soups are coaching and working with site leaders to really monitor those, uh, giving feedback on the site plans and giving resources uh, regularly as well. Um, so that we continue to uplift the, the need for uh, focus on, on chronic uh, absenteeism as, as a key driver in the CCT uh, work and the weekly CCT attendance plans as well. Um, and then finally, I just wanted to add that one of the, the major outputs that I'm seeing, one of the major pieces here, is that by the creation of the school's division in which you have LEAD and SFSD now being family, we're able to much more thoughtfully and reflectively co collectively work together, so to, to work more collectively and strategically in service of serving the whole child, which is the guardrail that we're focused on. All right, thank you, uh, Mr. Guthert, and thank you, Ms. Rice Mitchell. So that's, again, an overview of our report. Um, and you know, what's exciting to see is, is the system-wide approach uh, to supporting our students with that taking, though, also um, that sense of targeting where there's the greatest need. So with that, we'll turn it over to the commissioners for discussion. Hello, hello. Okay, cool. Uh, I think we'll have uh, members of the board uh, prepare their questions, and I think we will give a courtesy to our remote commissioner. Uh, if they want to get us started, then we can go to our student delegate and then kind of go around the board with additional questions, whether uh, they're related to clarifying questions or about the strategy or the things that are presented. Um, Commissioner Fisher, did you want to go first, or would you rather kind of wait and join the stack? If you don't mind, I'd rather wait and join the stack. I'm happy to go first. No, no, I, you can gladly wait. No worries. Okay, I'm going to go first, and then we'll uh, <laughs> we'll pass it around. I think one thing I was curious about is for the initial chart on chronic absenteeism. 
Um, just, I, I guess, wondering if we had any, like, raw numbers versus the percentages of, like, how many actual students are we talking about to kind of get a better feel both across the district as a whole um, as well as for the individual student groups? Um, Commissioner, we added that based on your request. So it's there as a link, the attendance report for three-year counts and percentages. So it's not in the written. It's there in the uh, written. But it's not on here. Yeah, right there. Oh, no, it's a link. <laughs> right. The, but wait, so, so for it. It's in the second And can you line. click on the link and maybe and share um, just what some of the numbers are? So for example, I mean, I've talked about the fact that when we're serving our Pacific Islander and black students, um, that, you know, our, our mission is that each and every child receives the quality instruction they need to thrive in the 21st century. And that we should know each and every uh, kindergarten student who's coming into the district uh, because we have about 225 uh, black uh, and Pacific Islander students with about 200 black students at each grade level. So then, um, you know, if this is district-wide, yeah, you know, what is that? So how many? So um, in the district, we have 3,229 African-American students. And their average attendance is 80.3%. Right. So 59% of them were chronically absent. That's about 2,000. Yes. Um, I guess I would ask if we could maybe update the presentation with charts that reflect that just so that it'll be, I guess, more accessible. I understand it is available via the link. and I'm going through the links now trying to find it. But I think having that as a part of the presentation would be really helpful to, to understand and also to be available for sure. the public. So um, I'll, I'll be happy to do the updates on just the bar charts, but otherwise there are 72 rows because that's how we've disaggregated it by grade, by ethnicity, by the ethnicity that SFUSD wants, you know? And so we've got 72 rows based on previous board. Well, and I'll, I would love to see 72 yeah. rows. I feel like that'd be very Yeah, insightful. it's right here. It's on, yeah. it's on a link yeah. in your thing. But I'm going to ask Commissioner, uh, President Bogus, a question to your question. Uh, just maybe share a little bit um, why you think that's important to note and, and in what way that's helpful. It just seems that the students who have the highest amount of chronic absenteeism are our small, smallest student group populations. Um, and so I think just trying to get an idea of how prevalent the problem is for those smaller groups versus other groups and just kind of how appropriate the resources are. I don't know if in the additional information there is information also about zip codes and kind of how this issue breaks down by zip yes. code. Um, so I think that's a, a key part of the analysis that I think would also be helpful um, in the presentation. Um, but those conclude, I think, my initial comments. And I think we'll ask commissioners if you could stick to one question or so. As we go around, I'm going to go Commissioner Alexander, then Commissioner Sanchez, and then we'll kind of keep going. And yes, the codes is there too. Yeah, and I was going to, I raised my hand because I was actually going to build on that comment, if that's okay. Just, I, I'm, yeah, I want to say first thank you so much for this, this plan. I feel like this is in my opinion, are best to date around the goals and guardrails in terms of having like a real root cause analysis and then a plan that's linked to that, uh, which I think is an area we've been working on. And so I just thank you to staff in general for the continued um, improvement around that. And I know that's something we're all learning together, so so thank you. Um, I'm curious, and I see I see in here, the building on President Bogus's question, 
around black students and Pacific Islander students, which clearly is alarming the rates, if we look at that chart on the first, at the beginning, that two thirds nearly over, let's say 60% of our black students and our Pacific Islander students are chronically absent. Um, and, and I see the focus in the plan, but what I don't see as clearly, and I'm curious if staff have thoughts on this, is what what is your root cause analysis of that? Of what, why, why are our black students and our Pacific Islander students specifically, um, why are the rates so high? Um, and I know, you, you know what I mean? I, I saw the general root cause analysis, but I'm, but I'm curious if you have any, anything that's coming up around those two particular student populations. I think it's a myriad of reasons. And when we, um, looking at the work that the high school and middle schools are doing and the questions that they're asking, is, is, it is that, like, um, Am I in places where I'm seen, where I'm loved, and where I feel like I'm, I belong? And then even coming back from the pandemic, we saw even more, you know, mindsets shifting around coming. And so we wanted to start with the base, with just the attendance and making sure that we had basic um, systems. But many in the plans, folks are doing um, home visits, doing empathy in interviews, and asking that question, not making assumptions about all black families are not coming to school because of this. But specifically, why aren't you coming? We did find a lot a lot of families moved after the pandemic or they live far away you know it's, it's it's a myriad of reasons so we don't want to give one answer all black families are not coming because of this and so what we're doing is asking families why aren't you coming where why have we created places where you you know feel like you're seen and loved and so this will allow us to at cct meetings to ask those questions and to create plans based on individuals but not lumping all black families no, I just want to add on to, I think that that conversation piece is important. I was looking around, we don't have Ursula here, but we heard from the Matua uh, Advisory Committee and they've helped with outreach to like talk to families. So I can't speak to what, you know, again, what they said, but that that is a notion of we need to, you know, hear from the families, like what's the roadblocks as well. And to Commissioner Bogus's point, we didn't see a huge variation around um, zip code. Uh, in terms of attendance related to zip codes, but I think it's you know it's a fair question to ask how much is uh, you know transportation com contributing to this. Anecdotally, we know that uh, you know I mean I've talked to students who who have uh, talked about the frustrations with the bus, both public transportation as well as our our um, busing system, but. Our busing system is within our control. The public transportation is less within our control, so it's not emphasized here. And the data was, uh, on paper, inconclusive about whether, like, that's a key fact. Like, oh, we see if we're transporting all these kids from here that there's an, an attendance issue. But it is something to, uh, you know, to consider in terms of supporting our students. And I don't know, Megan was nodding, so I don't know if you wanted to speak to that point. No, definitely I can agree with the transportation issue um, with like unreliable muni um, like um, systems in certain areas of the city. They're not as frequent. I know like definitely like in the Richmond, we have the 38, which comes like every 10 minutes or so. But in some areas, the buses might come every 40 minutes. And if you're just a little bit late or you're not exactly like right on time with the bus schedule or it just runs differently that day, you will be marked absent for your first period class. And that's just something that is not preventable for many students. So that definitely contributes to absenteeism and it's not excused for many teachers. And I think another reason um, 
is definitely like related to the fishbowl analysis with teachers lacking clarity on what to do because if you miss class due to illness or something some teachers might be understanding of that but there's also a lot of training issues um, and some some teachers will come in and be like oh you have this whole stack of work to do and you have a test and you know you just have to learn this on your own um, and that just makes a student feel really behind and it's really difficult to catch up on all this work that you've missed and to really learn and absorb the material under this short amount of time and with this pressure. Oh, I'll go next. Um, I want to thank you all for the this uh, monitoring report. Um, it is uh, in-depth and I really appreciate it. Um, I just wanted to ask a question around the root cause analysis you've been talking about actually seeking comments from individual students and families um, regarding attendance and sense of belonging. Um, and I'm just wondering if you have the data on how many families you were able to reach, how many students you talked with, and what exactly you found from those uh, comments. And if you feel like um, you actually were able to reach enough to get a sample size that is relevant enough for making some conclusions. I know that you said um, to me just about, obviously, it's not a monolithic uh, community that has one reason for being absent. My sense over my decades in this district is that um, black families do not feel that they belong in our schools. Um, and so that encompasses a lot of issues that are happening within our schools and amongst our schools and even in our central office. We haven't gotten it down. Prior to the pandemic, uh, the chronic absenteeism for African American and Pacific Islander students I think was around 35, 36% and now it's in you know, 60% range. Um, and it was one of our um, uh, goals actually for our last superintendent was to work on this issue and then the pandemic hit and it's gotten worse. Um, so I feel like at the site level we need to just, I, you have a lot in here about what we're doing at the site level and I don't know if all of it can be done but if there are certain specific site level um, strategies that can be done that we'll, we can leverage the most out of to make sure, like one thing that I did when I was principal in Grand State, my school was predominantly Latinx families was that if a student was absent, um, the phone call that went home was a very nice phone call. Yeah. And we, we called every single family every single day that a kid was absent and we said we miss your child and we really want your child at school. And it wasn't punitive, it was something that was said in a loving way. And over time actually the attendance did increase every year at the school. Not just because of that, I mean, but you could walk into school, you could feel like that there was a sense of belonging. So we're lacking that in so many of our schools, particularly for African-American and PI families, and I'm just, I know I'm rambling a bit, but I really feel like we need to identify some specific strategies that, we'll, that we can leverage the most. So first, about who okay. you talk to, and then second, about those strategies. Um, we'll get the exact numbers for you, um, exactly how many families, but you absolutely named it. Um, Ritu was just sharing, she had a data conference today and talking to one of the schools and their, um, uh, chronic absenteeism has gone down and just that someone's making phone calls there's a first round of it teachers are making it and then at, actually at their um, CCT meetings they get out if they haven't seen the um, students before they start they're actually calling right then but with the script calling with hey we missed you Billy Bob we haven't seen you wanted or to the you know families you know when are you when are you able to come back and when can we talk just humanizing it and really expressing not you miss and then small things when babies are late and are coming in, hey, glad you made it, just go get to class instead of to a six or seven year old, why are you late? You just got here, you were late yesterday. 
So really trying to humanize the experience for um, families and for students as well. Can I, can I just add to the strategies question part? So, and I agree with you, by the way, I, mean, I think sense of belonging is critical here. Um, and I think that idea of being loved, seen, nurtured, cared for at a site level every single day is, 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 makes the difference. One of the great, one of the things that we've done is we've created this tracker that I told you about for the CCT attendance plans. We literally have everybody's uh, plan in there. And then what we've gone, if we've combed and combed and combed, and what we found is common strategies, and we've highlighted those, and then we found unique strategies. And so what we're going to be working on is how do we share those with each other in citywide meetings, mm -hmm. in cohort meetings, and like create lists and trainings around these strategies, and how do we monitor the strategies to see, well, did that one work or this one work? But the first first thing for us to do was, well, what were the strategies? And so actually, we now have a tracker that's got I, you know, every school's got at least a couple strategies that are common across the district, and then several that are unique as well. Thank you. Um, thank you so much for um, the really thorough presentation um, and slides, and um, thank you, for Commissioner Sanchez, for raising up the sort of the, the human aspect of it. So I actually did get a call two weeks ago, but it was it was automated. Um, so the automated doesn't quite feel like that nice touch, but um, at least they let me know that my child wasn't there. And I, did, I fortunately, I knew that he wasn't there. He was homesick. Um, but yeah, there is something about, you know, engaging with one another as the babies, as the humans, as the parents, as the caregivers that we are, that I think so this we talk about the educational system, we talk about the district, and it, it feels, yes, it is obviously systems-based, but, like, we have to remember, like, who the humans are in this system. And, and so I, I am glad to hear that at that one school site, they're seeing changes by actually having someone call and express compassion and interest and care. So... Um, that's great. Um, my question is about um, table two activities and measures. And I, I guess I would love just to understand a little bit more um, what you all are referring to, what, what you re when you reference research-based communication strategies, and um, where what is, what is that research that we're relying on to develop these um, measurements? So for example, um, there's the welcome letters and presentation schools, uh, presentations and poster contests, all of which sound fantastic. And is this, did this come from other districts that have said we've tried this and it worked? Like wh when, when it says research-based communication strategies, I guess I'm just wondering what that research looked like and why we should feel confident that we're relying on, on these measurements as, as things to consider and, and look forward to learning more about. Yeah, so in terms of the uh, Attendance Awareness Month, I think is what you're referring to, we, we worked with a lot of the, 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 the work from Attendance Work, which is a really famous and important um, group that does incredible trainings around the connecting uh, chronic absenteeism with sense of belonging, and, how to, and they just had a, another training that I, I didn't get to go to, but I got to see it um, uh, you know, uh, asynchronously, and it was very powerful. And so we're working with research and, and resources from them, and, and they are well-researched uh, nationally. And something we haven't mentioned is it's cro chronic absenteeism is a national. This isn't just an SFUSD. And post-pandemic, it's, it's quite, quite serious across, across the country. But we were working with research-based um, um, materials from attendance works. And then do, were you all, so I know, for example, um, 
that LA Unified, maybe it was last year, embarked on a new process. It was, it was some allegedly very, uh, let me not say allegedly, they lauded as a, a creative, new, ambitious way to reduce chronic absenteeism. I don't know if it's working, but like, are, are we looking to other districts as well to the extent that since this is a national problem, if any districts are making changes and, and, and are seeing results, are we monitoring that as well? And, and instead of reinventing the wheel, um, in some places able to, to learn and use what they're doing? We hadn't started there, but we started with this company because of their background, but could definitely look at other folks too if they were able to do that. But we started here with this, um, this company, but that could definitely be something we look at as well. I was wondering if staff could direct me where in the presentations the links to the zip code data is and the other data. Looking through what's available on board docs, I only saw a link to a document with uh, proficiency rates kind of broken down by ethnicities, but I didn't see the other one, so I don't know if there is a. So it's not a link, it's the actual wording in the presentation with the description. So when I go to the link under interim guardrail 2.1 that says here, yeah. it takes me to a link of. Okay, I'm gonna pull it up and, and show folks what I have. And if this is right, then we can. But that's not what I was asking for. I think it's on page two, President Bogus. The, and oh, sees, the one by zip codes. Yes, we have also analyzed patterns of attendance by student zip codes. It's like three lines down in that for, in that paragraph, on page two under chronic absenteeism. Okay, sorry about this. Under That's, the chronic absenteeism yeah. second paragraph, blue, we have also analyzed patterns of attendance by student zip codes. I don't see that on mine. I'm sorry. So you know what? I think it's it's not been updated. Maybe. Okay. Oh, sorry. No, no worries, no worries. So if we can just update that, that'll be great. And then I think we can refer to that. Well, I think if you click on the main subgroups are available here, that blue link, there's some more. Is it included in there? It is not, no. no. It's a separate right. link. It's not, yeah. So if we can just make sure we get that update, we appreciate it. I think the concern that I have, I think everything in here makes a lot of sense and reflects, I think, the best information about how we can solve the problem. What I guess I'm struggling with is to see how we are going to implement this with the staffing crises that we're having and some of those kind of existing challenges. Um, and I guess I, if someone could, I, I guess, speak a little bit to that, because I think everything on here is good, but I don't really see how this takes account of the staffing dynamics that we have and kind of the current situation at our school sites, which makes me wonder how do we plan for this to be kind of ex successful um, as we move forward. Yeah, I can start there. First of all, I don't want to undermine the staffing crisis because it's real and it's a challenge. Um, and we know we see that centrally on site and for sure sites. And, and so, but I will say that, you know, one of the, the great outcomes of this work, and I think we just have to stay there, is that we now know that there's CCT working teams at every site. And so we, I believe that through that, um, that lever, staffing shortages are no, unfortunately, um, 
unfortunate for them, but we, we will continue to be able to, to stay with that CCT teams and build those up because that is something that's now not just become an expectation, but I believe that at a site level, it's something that folks look forward to in terms of working together because we got into this business to really serve the whole child, right? And the CCT is where you do that. I mean, you do it everywhere, right? But that's where you come together and you talk about, hey, why is Eric not here? He, he was here, or Eric's not here. I, I, he was here this morning. Well, I didn't come to my cl class, right? And so I think that despite those challenges, we're gonna be able to stay stay here and keep working forward with, with, um, with, with that through our fact that we have established CCT teams at the site level. And then conversely, I think now that we, our school's division and we're working together, we can, we can support each other uh, and say, hey, can you send some folks over to, to do some consultation with so-and-so school because maybe they're down a little bit and they need some additional help or they need resources. So that, that back and forth flow, I think, is, is a little bit stronger at this moment. I appreciate that. Just one follow-up, even though I said no follow-ups, my apologies, board members, uh, is I guess if you could, I guess, <laughs> talk about whether or not each site has a fully staffed CCT and I guess at what intervals are we monitoring and tracking that as well as just for all of the um, the things that we identified as strategies, what is the frequency that that's tracked and monitored at the district level and how do we gauge the effectiveness? So I think we lifted up the automated calls for attendance. Where are we tracking how effective that is in bringing families back and like what does the data internally say about that? Or are we not tracking that? Or, I guess I'm interested in how much data are we tracking at the school site level and how much we are aware of what is happening day to day at individual sites across the district. So I'll start. And, oh, and I, I just want to say, because we use a lot of acronyms in education, so even just maybe stepping back, saying you know what a coordinated care team is, and I will say there, there's going to be different staffing configurations at schools based on who they have available, but there does need to be a minimum core, and maybe you could speak to, to that. That's what I was going to identify. In the plan, we ask who's on your team, and so people do a variety based on division, based on um, the different supports that they have, of, you know, a nurse, a social worker, if you have that, if it's just classroom teachers as well. And I think to your point, um, President Bogus, this is our first attempt. Like we wanted to get the plan first. Like let's see, you know, what are you going to be doing? EDs and assistant soups are working directly with um, principals to kind of monitor that, look at that. What did you say? What were some of your, in the plans, we're asking them for their goals as well. What are your goals for this year? What would it look like for you um, specifically? Even um, RPA provided um, specific targets for schools as well, so we can monitor that with the target. And so they're talking about specific students at the meeting to kind of progress monitor on their own. You know, who are the, um, I think they gave like numbers, but the the sites know the exact names. Did Billy Bob come? Did the second grade, have we seen that different? And so having the weekly meeting allows them to have the data conversations and then we can then in turn um, look at it on a more larger scale as well. Does that answer your question? Yeah, and does all, are all of the teams currently fully staffed at every school site? And are they all trained to do the things that they need to do to support around attendance? So two things. Got the plan first doing it at cohort meetings, discussing it, having conversations about it. Now the teams look different because it's based on who's at your site, not whether you're staffed or not, based on who's at your school and the divisions that they're in as well. It's not a cookie cutter model. We gave some ideas of who should be on the team, but it's not every school may have a different configuration as well. 
No, understand that. But like, if I go to Lakeshore Elementary School and I'm like, show me who is on your team, they would say, we have a team and it's in place. And someone from the central office is verifying that for all of our schools yeah. if they're prepared and doing yes. that. Yes, that's what yeah. the CCT... And, yes, and so, and then, I mean, on the team, I don't think we mentioned, on the team there should be an administrator and then there will be some, uh, what, what schools, different configurations of a s support social staff, worker. like a social worker, they might have the intervention teacher, might have a, a family liaison, might have a seawall, child welfare and attendance liaison. Community like that's where there's going to be a com uh, the community schools coordinator if they have that. So that's where it's going to be be a little different. But to your point, and uh, yes, like we should at this point say there is a functioning care team. And so the school might say, well, you know, we're still we have a, I mean, a coordinated care team, but we're missing our social worker, right? That's that is going to exist. But there's enough critical mass of all those different groups. We said that a care team is meeting at each school and at least following up on with the um, with the attendance plans. Can I add one thing too, yeah. uh, to, to that, which is that we also centrally have a CCT working group, which is made up of folks from SFSD, from the superintendent's team, and we're getting folks on lead there too. And what we're doing is we're creating resources and materials for sites and checking in with sites. So actually, we've already done surveys of social workers that are on the CCTs and, and community school coordinators that are on there asking, what do you need, how it's going, what else? And we're doing that for principals as well. We take that back, and the CCT work group works through it and thinks, like, what are the next things that we need to do to support? and then we bring it back to the school's division meetings as well. So we are trying to create that ongoing feedback loop with the CCTs at the site level. Is anyone wanting to follow up on this? I was going to change the subject. No. Is that okay? Okay. So my, yeah? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I just want to add a little bit about school staffing. So something that the Student Advisory Council has been talking a lot about is definitely like having fully staffed wellness centers and having wellness centers that have um, that are open throughout the entire school day and also the entire school week. Because at many of our schools, our wellness center is closed at least like two days a week and aren't open during like times where students need to go and get the help that they need. So definitely like with SFUSD focusing on um, the entire student and not just on like academics and just like um, the entire student's experience. I think one thing that contributes to absenteeism is definitely like the lack of wellness support, whether it's mental health support or getting like painkillers during the school day. It's just something that's really important to make sure that students feel that they have that support with their wellness while at school. I appreciate that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, she meant Advil, we're clarifying. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna change the subject. Thank you for that. I think that's really, the staffing of wellness is really important. Um, the, um, to, I, I wanna ask about bright spots, which I probably should have asked about in a pre-question, but I think it's an important strategic question for all of these um, monitoring reports is, What's working? So specifically, do we know, are there schools where that have higher than average attendance for black students, for Pacific Islander students, for foster youth, for any of the groups that are particularly low in these areas, and what's working in those cases? I gave the one example that we learned about today. Um, I think we're really just trying to collect it all and to do, but we'll definitely be able to. I think for me, what the really bright spot is, we asked for something in July, 
and we got it. And so for me, just the baseline, we have something to do. And, and, and it's not just we, it wasn't just a checklist. People are looking at it. There's going to be times where we can have conversations as well. And as Eric said, we'll be able to share because we have all that and we can give that information. I didn't say this. I forgot to say this too. There are lunch and learns where people can come and um, get different ideas. Secretaries are being trained. There's meetings for them as well. So I think for me, the bright spot is that we ask for a systemic change and we're seeing throughout our system that we're talking about this. And then we can go to the next step of sense of belonging. But I think that's the bright spot that I think this is major. We had a whole department come together and you see some of those folks in the wave to the people who came. <laughs> so just that we're committed to this and that this is important. And so we're excited about that. I think that's a bright spot just to start and then we can permeate and cascade it down into the, the rest of the system. But I appreciate, I, I do want to say, because Commissioner Alexander, you spoke to like how we're still in a learning process here. This is our first full year of implementing these reports. And it's interesting because, um, you know, I, th I think uh, just a reflection I'm going to take away from this is as we're doing our progress monitoring, how do we focus on the system while also highlighting the bright spots and, uh, you know, being, being aware of them? Because like at the last progress monitoring, we did bring in some bright spots around, uh, you know, what, what we were doing at, uh, for literacy, but then it also highlighted how, okay, but how is that happening systemically, right? And so I think we're working to figure out that, that balance, uh, but so yeah, I don't have necessarily an answer just to say, like, I think we need to keep both things in mind for each report. Like, what's the systemic efforts and lifting those up, but then how do we integrate bright spots so they support the system and not seem like, Anomalies, yeah. right? They, a lot of times they feel like outliers, or so. Um, we'll, we'll think that one through. Can I share a bright spot, actually, um, for my African American middle school son? Um, when at Denman, he uh, so when he started at Denman. Well, actually, when my older daughter was at Denman, um, it was a late start school. Um, students weren't let in early. Students would wait outside. Um, but by the time my younger son got to Denman, he was actually excited to get to school early. Um, I finally found out that the reason behind that was they opened the basketball court early in the morning um, and let all the kids come out and play on the yard. And so that was one of his um, best times to go hang out with his buddies was before school shooting hoops. Um, and it was a, a great way to make sure that the kids were there on time as well. So. Um, so that, I think, goes very well, much to the sense of belonging. Giving kids activities that they want before school um, is a, a great way to ensure they're there. So I don't know if I can lead into my questions now or if you want me to wait, Commissioner President Bogus. Let's have you wait a moment and let's have Commissioner Lamb jump in and we'll come right back to you, Commissioner Fisher. Thank you. Um, thank you for this plan and the presentation. I think just you know, responding to the superintendent, yes, I think we want both. Uh, no surprise, we want it all um, to be able to understand both the progress um, that's being made at the system level, but what does it actually, how does it live, you know, how is it living right on the ground and making that difference so that we can take those examples um, at scale. Um, I have a couple of questions. One is specifically about the CCT structure. I'm really excited. We've been talking about the structure for years, even before um, the pandemic, and and particularly um, as we are recovering from there, um, I'm curious around. While certainly I know we're in year one and just launching, any reflections that the team wants to share about 
what we're learning so far from the CCT structure and the consistency of meeting on a regular basis. And um, we, we, in the plan, we gave guidance and we just gave suggestions as well. And we did say um, weekly. I think for the most part, people are meeting weekly. It's a couple of sites that are doing bi-weekly, but you know, that's a start for that as well. I think um, what we're learning is that sites had a lot of different ideas as well. And so um, we're eager to do this as well. I mean, well, sort of eager, um, but but understood that this was a focus. And I think for, for me, what um, has been really, really important, like attaching it to the guardrail so that we can talk about, we did, I think that we showed it to you as well, really matching attendance with academics. So I think this is going to be helpful for sites. I think folks know that, but by meeting weekly and having the conversation and specifically not just naming numbers, but looking at specific students and then attaching that to, and then attaching that to their families as well. And then really looking at as a, as a, um, a whole child as well. And so I think that's, that's one thing that I'm excited about. And I can't say this enough for me as well, that we're all doing this. This is not a high school thing. This is not early ed. This is um, SFUSD pre-K to 12. We're doing this as a system, and this will be something that's expected, that attendance is important. And can I just add that, and so one of my uh, supervisors for social workers has been texting because she wants to make sure we're not missing some pieces, and I just want to <laughs> emphasize again that, that um, you know, this is an ongoing cycle of inquiry for us, right? We're going we're gonna to keep, it's like a massive PDSA cycle that we want to keep iterating and learning on uh, from. And then, so they are the CCT working group, which is a central group, is actually creating this no, uh, survey that I mentioned. It's going to every single CCT, and we're going to glean, we're going to learn from them what's working, where the implementations are, uh, where the barriers are, where it may be that it, it's understaffed and they need more support, where, may, where wellness centers may come involved, and in fact, they are supposed to be open all the time, except for once a month, so we need to find out more about that. But um, I do want to just say that this is an opportunity for continuous learning across the entire system. Thank you. I'm looking at the fishbone analysis, and one of the problems that was identified is around inconsistent attendance data quality. So no surprise, I'm going to go for it into the operations and systems building. Um, how are you all thinking about um, through both at the um, executive level as well as at the CCT site structure? What are you anticipating or hearing so far of what's needed and necessary um, in addition to the PD and training, which was very um, outlined very clearly? I think I'm inquiring more about um, reporting systems sure. um, so that it can feed up, you know, both centrally and back to sites and all around. Sure. So um, what was happening was the data was being entered in Synergy and you know and we would then create reports in illuminate which were updated every day um, and at the same time there were the reports that were cumulative were lagging because you know they were not like done every day now we have created it where we've made it a leading indicator so attendance is one of our leading indicators where every single day you can get both a cumulative and a student by student report so that's the change that we have made as a system. It's active, so you know any social worker or seawall can actually go and see current data as of yesterday, 
takes 24 hours still to update. Uh, that's super helpful. Thank you for shedding some light around that system shift. Um, the other question I have um, in the fishbone analysis is also how we're hearing or supporting our families and recognizing um, that, you know, particularly families in the earlier years are also uh, needing some more messaging or consistency around the importance of attendance. And I notice on the um, overall reports, we don't necessarily break down by, let's say, elementary or secondary. So I'm curious if there's anything you also want to share um, of what we're seeing around absenteeism and um, possible interventions between the early years um, into secondary. And then, of course, I have a follow-up to that. Um, I'm so sorry, but now the report has been updated. Actually, you do have a breakdown uh, by school level. But maybe from an aggregate, the analysis that you all, if you have, looked at between, let's say, um, pre-kindergarten to K-3, you know, just or secondary, are we seeing any particular trends um, then that will inform or is informing how the um, CCTs or the approaches that you're all looking at as a I system. Think, I think if you ask me for trends, number one is definitely at the kindergarten level, we always have the highest absenteeism rate. So um, the kindergarten, and you'll see as the grade advances, you'll see the rates go below. So uh, kindergarten is one of the highest rates. The second trend that I would point out too is during that holiday period, which is uh, from October to December, you almost see the absenteeism go real high. And students that you know miss four to five days during that time then adds to the chronic absenteeism rate for the school and for the district. So that is a very critical time that you know we can intervene and put strategies to um, reduce the chronic absenteeism during that time. And if I can also and, just, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to add too that we did ask our um, early ed sites to do CCT plans as well. Um, the beauty of early ed, we see someone every day. Um, they pick up the students, they drop them off, and so that you can you can really form individual relationships with those families as well. But now we can have um, early ed sites are having the same conversation about um, the CCT plans as well. And so that's one of the things. And hopefully what we're looking for, too, to reach this point that we, we that's been a long standing point with um, kindergarten having a high um, absenteeism rate. But if we're talking about it in, with our early ed um, families about the importance of it as well. So we're hoping that that'll be a trend that we can um, kind of dispel. And then folks understanding to informing kindergarten families why everyday school is important and what you're um, creating as well, and why um, the baby should come to school on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. There's one more data point. Yeah, something that was just fresh off the presses, literally as we were walking down here, because you were asking about some bright spots around data. Um, every Monday, um, John Holmes, who helps us with our attendance and, and tracks it for every school site, sends something called a missing sections report, which tells you how many um, uh, how many sections are missing where kids weren't accounted for for attendance. And then the job is to clean those up. And last year at this time, we had 3,000 missing sections, and this year it's 1,000. So we've cut that by about 2,000, which is huge. And 
I think that goes to this idea that we're really working with sites. We, like I said earlier, we did recreate and republish a brand new attendance manual with updated practices, and we're sharing that and getting in the hands of folks so that that not just the, the CCTs, but also the site attendance folks uh, that are that are doing the daily work as well um, have that that information and I think that attention. So it's it, we we actually see that in uh, that bright spot in action right now. Thank you, and uh, just a point that I wanted to share is I think there's also a great opportunity now with universal pre-kindergarten and that table starting to convene between the school district, uh, the city through the Department of Early Childhood and the, the field, the mixed delivery system. Uh, we often hear from the providers. We have over 400 um, early ed providers in the city and county of San Francisco that's funded by the city. And we often hear from the early educators that they are very much open and want to share the, quote, warm handoff to SFUSD because they've been with the family since um, the babies were infants until they are, you know, leave their care or their center when they're four or five years old. Um, so I do think that this actually around addressing um, absentee and attendance overall and the positivity of why it's so important um, for our earliest, our youngest learners and their families to understand the importance of attendance, that that could be a part of the UPK working group. Now we're gonna go to Commissioner Fisher, then we'll go to Commissioner Matamani. Thank you all. I'm really excited to see this work. Um, back in 2019, we had a month-long attendance working group that was run out of SFCSD at the time. And um, it was a, a huge effort that led to, um, I think it was, we had over 700 stakeholders that we engaged with. It was people at all levels of the district. It was wonderful. Um, and it distilled down into we had, um, you know, we asked people what their best hopes were. Well, what were their worst fears? What were their best hopes? And how should we get to, what were their advice to get to the, the best hopes? Um, and the worst fear was that things would stay the same. We'd go through all of this work and nothing would change. This would just be an exercise to, to be in motion rather than in action. Um, you know, nothing would happen. All these recommendations would go nowhere. So it's actually really exciting to see a lot of them that were highlighted, um, like creating coherent and cohesive plan to see that happening here, to be student-centered and family-centered in our approach, strong data collection systems, making operational changes. But I think one of the things that was highlighted there that's really impactful here is the wraparound services. Um, student Delegate Toe mentioned wellness, I think that's a big part of it too. So um, I live on the south side of the city, the 29 is really impactful as to whether or not kids are gonna get to school on time. So we have things that we can do in our parameters and things that we can't. Um, but I think my real question uh, above and beyond the monologuing there is um, going back to the root cause analysis that was mentioned a little bit before. Um, in the questions doc, one of the responses to some of the deeper dive questions was that SFUUSD doesn't have the capacity to delve into some of these more complex questions. So I'm wondering, um, what what would it take to get us that data? Um, you know, as I've heard our LCAP task force coordinator, Tim Burke, say, is the juice worth the squeeze? 
would it be helpful to have some more information about some of these root causes to really drive programmatic change? Um, and I'm really excited to, have, to see how far we've come with this. You know, understanding that it's new when we're in a PDSA cycle, I'm wondering what else does the team need to really um, take it that next step forward? And I'll stop there. Thank you, um, Commissioner um, Fisher. When I look at the six, they're not like, I think it's things that we know, that we've seen before. I think it's us paying attention to it, putting um, really um, highlighting, having conversations. I don't think it's anything that's like rocket science. But I think I'm like, we see mindsets, we see um, having systems where you um, talk about attendance as well. I don't see, for me personally, I don't see anything, um, families' needs have increased, but like how we might support that might be in a different way. But it does, these six things are not like very, very, oh, we don't, you know, this is something that we've never seen before. So I think it's us, if this is really important and we're gonna really live out this guardrail, is staying true to it and really um, honing in on it, paying attention, providing supports to um, sites, us talking about it as um, a district leadership team as well and keeping this the main thing, attendance, but we know that we have to move to a sense of belonging as well. And we have to include, we cannot say we're not gonna include um, families in this work. And so I think that's the thing that we're really learning, that we have to really see these babies as whole and that they come from communities and not see it as in a, in a deficit. Um, I was just curious in going through this process, which I understand is new, are there, areas where you were surprised that maybe some assumptions you didn't realize you had going in as far as the underlying causes of why students you know were are chronically absent um, you know what what surprise has has surprised you going through this if anything maybe you knew it all <laughs> well <clears throat> I'll say one thing I mean I'm um, it's both surprise and not, it's just an area of great um, need in the district is just the, the root cause of the inconsistent data, you know, because we've obviously been collecting attendance data for a really, really long time, but, um, you know, but just seeing that, you know, it, it's been, being able to really rely on like what's coming out of the system to understand where to target the support uh, was a little surprising around this, but I say not totally surprising because this is as we're trying to rebuild the system and you know in, in you know and we talk about what's happening in our financial systems and everything we're seeing that that you know the inconsistency of data is is really a struggle, but attendance we've done for a long time so. Feel like that was a little bit of a of a surprise. I'm going to represent the voice of a principal that I heard today in terms of uh, one of the frustrations that was expressed is um, students sometimes leave the district, go to another district, but then they don't file the paperwork for to be dropped from that school, and then that school gets the chronically absent uh, addition to their calculation. So that was expressed in terms of, like at what point would it not be a school's responsibility mm -hmm. to then you know mark that student and there's something other than the school that takes over. So there, when the principal said that that was so real and 
you know, said, there's nothing I can do because the student has actually left the school. But, you know, since the student was, has been there 30 days and then left, or was marked only after the 30 days, they have been credited to that school as a chronically absent uh, count. Can I add one surprise? Because I, I just, and we've said it a lot here, and I just, I want to reiterate, and I know that we'll be presenting on it in March, but I am a little, I was a little surprised when I look at the root cause, and then when I look at the data, that sense of belonging has dropped so much. And I, and I do wonder about that, because we put so much effort in countering that at school sites. And when you look at the data, you see that during pandemic, it was actually higher, and it, it dropped and dropped. And I know, because I'm doing a lot of um, violence interruption work in the city, there's a lot going on. So it's surprising, and it's not surprising. But I do think that's an area where I look at that, and it kind of tugs here, because it is something that we, we can shift. And, um, and figuring out how to do that is going to be important. Last surprise I'm going to show, share in the data now you've made us this uh, is around attendance and academics. And the data shows it, but the, the contrast and the comparisons are so, so disparate that, you know, it's really eye-opening that if you are in the group that is not chronically absent, your percentage of proficiency being on grade level, it's like 70% of that group is on grade level as compared to those who are chronically absent. So the contrast is so vast that we have to make a huge focus on attendance. Um, so I guess I do have a follow-up question and you know, it's around if you're, when you're looking at the SEL and you're looking at attendance and academics. Um, and then thinking through how we might allocate at particular sites or system-wide differently. How, and how are you beginning to track and assess that work? Because there's some things that are going to be specific to a site, and then there's things that are external, either with the family or just within the system. And I'm thinking of things like transportation, going to commissioner, um, Fisher's example about before school. Our kids that are bused on SFUSD buses don't get to do before school or get to do after school. So already there's a whole part of belonging, the, the fun stuff before and after, that we are, we've designed our system to actually exclude specific neighborhoods from participating in those kinds of activities. So are we really looking at the whole system-wide um, elements and you know, proximity, transportation, safety on our campuses, and then early intervention? So like with the academics, and I'm gonna stop my monologue really quick, but with academics, which comes first? Is it the falling behind comes first? And so, and, and not having access to support and not feeling like there's someone there to help you consistently? Um, or is it the absenteeism? I mean, I, I think both of those are probably true, but if we're, if we're not identifying early interventions, we're not monitoring kids staying on grade level or joining grade level, then we're inviting them to feel um, not engaged, and, and that is true both for remediation and acceleration. So as we gather this data, I am asking how we're looking both at the individual 
and the unique circumstances to the individual, but also stepping back and seeing the trend data and what we have, we might want to, that we assume is natural to how a district operates, but there's actually different ways of doing things. I think we've been saying a lot, this is the CCT, we've been talking about the attendance, but that's exactly what the CCT team should look at. You're looking at the whole child, like what's the reason? When you have that conversation about children, is it academics? Because it could be a baby who does not have any attendance concern, can be there every day and still not doing well academically. So it is twofold. It's us looking at um, students, but it's also examining the site as well. A good CCT will say, if we've seen this um, flux of students or this concerns, what's some things that we need to adjust or change in our practices as, as well. And then the next double click is, and then how are we supporting schools if they can at least have that data to be able to say that as well. And so I, we just said, CCT was supposed to do all of those things, but we influxed the part about attendance because we know that consistently, it wasn't happening across the board where we're looking at attendance as well. And so when you bring a concern or an issue to a CCT, it should be, if I'm bringing the student, we're talking about you know, a grade level or different students. And so it, it's all of those things as well. It's academics, it's social emotional, it's attendance, it's our climate. What is our, what is our climate and culture um, provide so the students feel welcome? So if we have a group of students who don't um, get to access anything um, before school or after school, then what do we do on the school day if we know? But you need those, you need to have those conversations so then you can say how many numbers is it? Where or do where do these kids live? Is it something that they could do in other communities, not at school? So that's, you're examining the students, but you're also examining yourself as well. So it's not just the students. We have to take a, a critical look at our, ourselves as well. We're getting close maybe to wrapping up our conversation. I have two more question comments and then if other folks have, we'll let you jump in and then we'll uh, transition to public comment um, and move forward. I, I guess for me, one thing that I'm curious about is if superintendent, if you could talk a little bit about what does it look like for a site that is having issues around chronic absenteeism and doesn't seem to be able to I guess, address the issue locally, like what additional supports and like, I guess, what would the time of additional supports or push in to like help them address those issues, reach out to the families and pull them back in? I guess I'm a little bit curious if things do break down at a site, what does it look like for the district to step in and provide some relief to support to bring students back in? Um, yeah, I'm looking at uh, the team and, and uh, and as Demetrius um, shared, we have school supervisors who are here who just want to appreciate their efforts. They they looked at every single plan, and and you know, they serve as that liaison to make sure we're um, you know we, we that the work is being followed through on. But then what this what is the support that is needed from us to to work there? And then um, and then I'll look at uh, Eric about what. So what when we start to see if we're not making that progress? What are the steps we're going to take? Yeah, I really appreciate the question. I, I think it's it's several. I'm, I'm thinking number one, we're we're trying to get feedback between the sites and us as the schools division to figure out where we can support. Is it a consultation you need? Do you want to talk to somebody in the social work, uh, what we call the wellness and health team? Do you need? Is there uh, concerns around um, health? Uh, 
health services, um, it, like in terms of medical issues. So we're trying to figure those things out and, and, and troubleshoot and, and triage as much as we can on a daily basis. We're also taking a lot of information from the sites back to our teams, particularly on, on the team that I get to work with, with SFSD, and thinking about what we can do differently and what else needs to happen in order to really increase those supports. When um, and of course, the coaching that the EDs, the executive directors do uh, weekly with their sites, I think is really, really uh, invaluable. When things are really reaching a level where it, it's um, like a tier three, particularly around attendance, right? We have a central coordinated care team and, and of an amazing folks, I'm, I'm thinking of Phoenicia particularly and, and the team that she works with to make sure that we're actually connecting directly with the families that are most struggling and finding out what those root causes are and trying to support them. And so we're, we, we are creating, we've got a referral form that's actually about to go out to every single site that'll actually say who are some of the most struggling students that you need additional supports with we will be reaching out to each one of those sites to offer those supports. Thank you for that. I think that that's helpful um, to hear, just knowing that sites get overwhelmed and sometimes are kind of left to do more without the resources. And so I think the commitment from the district to provide additional supports and to help them fill those gaps and provide extra information is really helpful. Um, one other thing I wanted to go back to was just the data that we shared around the additional attendance in the zip codes, just getting a chance to look at it. I guess I, I was actually hoping for something that was a little bit more broken down and it would give me the ability to look by ethnicity and to see how chronic absenteeism and the attendance numbers were affecting for say like African-American students through the various grade levels, as well as how that related to um, whether they're foster students or some of the other statuses that we lifted up, just kind of see the intersectionality of where the issue is. The data that's provided is really good and I'm able to do some calculations to get to the raw numbers, but I do think a chart like the one that was, I think the first chart that you created with the percentages with raw numbers there together would be just really helpful. And just thinking about board members as we go out and engage in the public around this and engage in conversations, being able to talk a little bit more about what's happening at school levels and grade levels for folks I think would be um, really helpful as well as having an understanding of where people live versus where they go to school and if there's any transportation aspect that we can calculate that might impact um, why some students are more chronically absentee from some neighborhoods to certain school sites. I'm assuming that we're looking at all this and considering this in lots of different ways, but I think having that data for us as the board as we go out and talk about this with the public will be helpful. And I think also to kind of show the, the validity of kind of our theory of change and kind of what we see is happening. And so hopefully that's something that we can figure out how we can work in and both to reshare maybe at an upcoming board meeting as well as at our public community conversations. If, if, is that something that we can do, Superintendent? Uh, yeah, I, I, thank you for the reminder to the community. You're going to be out there uh, next month um, reporting on this progress report so we can get that additional information to help, uh, help you in those conversations. I just had a random loose end <laughs> that I wanted to say. So I just wanted to report back that um, I have seen a big change around the attendance reporting, even at just anecdotally at, at my own school. And I will say like having a Google Doc is really great. And to your point earlier about dropping out of our, there's no easy way to drop out of a school. You can't, so I think there are systems of collecting information from families that have just 
not existed. It's not even like there's a phone number that's hard to reach. Like you, you can't drop out of a school if you, there's no way to do that as a parent unless there's, there's no way, <laughs> like I've tried. So anyways, um, I just want to say like there are, and, and there's also no way to give feedback about why you are making a change either, which is something that has been asked about, you know, like why are you declining? Why are you um, asking for second round? Why are you doing these things um, to gather, like, is it proximity? Is it we're very unhappy? Is it whatever it may be? Like, there's, there's these touch points that we expect that families know how to interact with the district that, that actually are completely absent or just uh, completely anecdotal. So I just wanted to add that since that was a principal frustration. Um, it's it's not it doesn't exist in the system. Yeah. No. Well, uh, I can't. I, I can't. Just to that. I mean, I can't speak to this this specific issue, but I do think you know a challenge we've had is is defining the roles and responsibilities between the district office, central office. So you know, we've shared like even something was part of the enrollment process around immunization. There uh, of students, right? That was where we saw. Oh, it raised a big issue because we weren't clear on like who does what and how then do we monitor all of that. And so I don't know. It, it sounds like this might fall into that, but even, whether it does or it doesn't, that's definitely a takeaway from you know how we we make the systemic improvement. If you uh, are, are you wanting us to go back to the seats for student, so then I can end maybe. Uh, I, I can edge. Oh. Okay. Yes. No, we're ending on it. No, I, ending on the first point that Commissioner Matamani made about seeing actual changes in real life, being a parent to two now at two different schools. We had a whole newsletter from Clarendon Elementary about attendance and about some really, really important stuff. Happy to share with you. You probably helped draft it. It was fantastic. And I, and I, as sitting on the school board, was like, oh, I know what this is about. But I'd never seen it before, um, anything like it. So that was something new. And then the regular, um, my, my sixth grader had COVID. And it was early on. And um, you know, so correspondence with the school about that. And then we may have gotten a letter. I was like, dang, four distances. And he's already on the list. But you know, I OK, folks are tracking and letting me as Oh, so those are things that are I hadn't seen before. So I, I see the act. I, I can see concrete changes um, trickling down to not even trickling, coming into the space of parents and caregivers. So, yay! Thank you. I have one more, one more positive. Okay. Um, our public data dashboard has been updated for 22-23 data. So now you can see any school, any data measure, right? For updated for by 2020. It's a public data yeah. dashboard. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and, and see, but it's good you have that level of awareness. One thing I don't think the team mentioned, but in, in we saw in the data analysis, so hopefully you're aware then, so then if you were tempted, say, between Thanksgiving and winter break to take an extra day to do something, yeah. thank you, because we do see that that's a big period of drop time and you, your child could end up being chronically absent when you can't control COVID, but you can control that. So just put that plug in there for all our families listening. Including. <laughs> including Lunar New Year.
Yes, as well. Uh, I guess at this time, I would want to ask if commissioners could return back to you. Wait, can I make a final comment? Okay, yeah. yeah. And, and, okay, why don't we do that first? Yeah, well, because then uh, we'll just say, yeah. No, no, I, um, I'm not sure if you want to say this. We'll have two final comments for Demetrius and then myself. Go ahead. Okay, we're going to work on that. Yeah. Um, just wanted to show in the first six weeks, we did see a difference. Um, six weeks last year, 44% of our African-American students were chronically absent. This year is 41%. And so, and then overall, 22%, 22.5 for district-wide and 21%. So we are thinking that the things that we put into place, we've been able to see it in the first six weeks. Um, okay. Yeah, just as we end, I wanted to just share a reflection. I, I was kind of, I was you know, listening to our team talk, and we really want to thank uh, the team that put together this uh, report. And um, yeah, we can give them a round of applause. Thank you. Good work. And but I could, and you can hear their excitement, you know. And, and when you said the bright spot, like, ooh, we have a plan. So then I was trying to put myself, like, imagine if I were just, you know, never watching a, a, a school board meeting, and then watching, tuning into a school board meeting, and saying, wait. They're excited about having a plan, and they got it back from every school. But I say that to say because it's it you know why are we excited about that? And it, it's really because we're starting to see accountability, you know, which we've talked about a lot, and the the Board of Education has talked about a lot, and not accountability in a sense of. Um, you know, we need to punish people, right? But in that we say we're going to do things and we follow up. So I want to highlight again here our executive directors, some of whom have 17 schools, you know, are sitting and talking with uh, uh, principals to make sure it comes in. And I want to also recognize what Demetra said. When Demetra said um, that, uh, you know, schools were kind of excited but not totally. But because we get, we're, we're, we're getting this level of accountability because of the focus we have now. And what the lack of excitement comes from is the fact that schools also have, you know, uh, a C-States plan to submit and a pitch plan to submit and uh, an EL, you know, ELSB plan to submit and a this and a that. And all those individually, you know, are important, but for a principal and for a site, they collectively become like, what are we focusing on? Are we just being driven by the plans that we need to submit? And this is where being driven by the outcomes we want for our students. And that's what really feels like the shift in this conversation. So, you know, I just want to appreciate that, like, to me, this is what accountability looks like. And then it does trickle throughout the organization because you're asking us to report, we ask schools to report, they ask their CCTs to report. And so I do feel like there's that shift. And I do want to end not to be like, this is, this is not, it's just highlighting that shift and not to be overly self-congratulatory because in the end, we still have, you know, even though it's an improvement, 41% for the first part of the year of our black students who are already, um, you know, sh uh, showing significant absences. And we've not had the wins we want in terms of the change in outcomes, but it is, it did want to highlight the shift in culture that we know is so important to get those, those uh, successes. Right. If we could ask board members to return to their seats, and if we could start the process of announcing um, public comment in all the respective languages and asking people to raise their hands. Buenas noches. Si usted está en modo virtual y tiene un comentario público, por favor levante su mano.
So at this time, are there any cards for public comment in person? Yes, we have two. Okay, why don't we uh, start our in-person public comment? Certainly. Uh, Jeff and Sabria. Good. Hi, Jeff Lucas. Um, I appreciate all the work that went into this. I uh, just have a couple of comments. Um, so this was the first monitoring session of the year. As I understand it, we should have more than one monitoring session a year, especially on attendance because attendance is taken every day. Um, and I don't see it on the monitoring schedule. Maybe I just um, am missing it. Um, Second is that attendance, it's going to impact all three goals. Um, as the data was, um, as we see in the data, attendance is related to academic outcomes especially, and so it is going to affect all three of our goals. And as it says here on the, the top of the slide, school success starts with good attendance. Um, I'm, I mean, that's fantastic to see that, and I hope that the plan works and that we can learn from the plan when it, um, if there are things that aren't working with the plan, they can be uh, modified so we can get um, better attendance and better outcomes. Thank you. Hi, good evening, everyone. Uh, Sapria Ray here. I wanted to thank you as well for holding these meetings. It's so useful for us in the public to be able to get some kind of handle on what's actually going beyond what we going on beyond what we see at our school sites. And um, on that personal note, I want to say a couple of things. First, I also have noticed uh, calls coming through. I got one for my son, for instance. It turned out to be incorrect, <laughs> but I got one. And it, it had the unfortunate difficulty of the fact that they told me to call back, but I repeatedly tried to call back and I could never get through <laughs> to the number. So it was kind of, it was actually very difficult to clear that. So something to keep in mind is how hard it is for parents to address these when they get calls. The second thing is, I wonder how much impact, if any, bullying has on students' attendance. I didn't see that called out specifically in the uh, materials that were presented when I was looking at the little yellow stickies. There are references to issues students may have or not feeling like they belong, but there may be a good part of that that has to do with feeling unsafe at school. Thank you. Thank you. That concludes in-person public comment. All right, do we have any virtual public comment? We do, we have two hands raised. Gentle reminder that each speaker will have one minute to speak. Can we please have that repeated in Spanish and Chinese? Thank you. Aaron? Aaron? Dr. Nunley? Okay. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Harvey Milk's protecting some children and unprotecting others smacks of a flavor of racism that gets mixed, missed because of intentional inclusion. 
A black mother of a seven-year-old came to the school to get help for a child that was being bullied by other black and brown children. She was told that a school who knows how to create intentional safe spaces that allow a boy to wear a dress did not know what to do with their black and brown students. After not only volunteering her services, but offering free professional resources, her seven-year-old daughter was held down by other 10-year-olds so one 10-year-old could beat her. The principal then offered her a safety transfer. We, the Association of Black Psychologists, see you and join this mothers and others in demanding that you protect our black children and all children regardless of their multiple identities. Given the increase in incident of school violence, you are fortunate that this time one of your young students was not fatally injured. What does the school plan to do about the spirit of the seven-year-old that was physically injured? Thank you, Dr. Nunley. That is your time. Thank you. Just want to remind public commenters that all comments need to be on the workshop items. Just a reminder for folks that they need to be about uh, attendance and what was presented today. Can, can we please have that repeated in Spanish and Chinese um, that we are commenting now on the workshop item, which is attendance? <laughs> Okay, I'm currently seeing three hands raised. I will call um, Parents for Public Schools, Jose and Oh, Aaron. Aaron, go ahead, please. Yes, thank you. Um, I am Public schools. Hi there, this is Vanessa calling of the ED for Parents of Public Schools. I think there's a lot to mention here, but one is um, I'm searching the report that was on the internet and I'm seeing the word parent partnership only come up as a reference to Dr. Karen Matt's work around dual capacity framework. So I guess they want to have more conversation about how families are engaged as partners. The other IOS um, instructional minutes, I also searched that word. Um, so I know instructional minutes in the report as well, and we know that that goes hand in hand. 
So I'm gonna encourage the district to look at how are we looking at students and their instructional time in the classroom versus you know this um, ambiguous set of interventions that we may not um, be tracking as, as thoroughly as we can. Thank you. Thank you. Jose? Hi, my name is Jose Guevara. I'm a student advisor in SMUC for the last uh, 10 years. Uh, one thing I wanted to add uh, to this discussion is what are we doing in uh, teaching our families this attendance system? I work at a school with a lot of newcomer families who are coming into the United States for the first time. They don't know what the word truancy is. They don't know what the laws are around attendance. What are we doing as a district to teach our families what it means? What does this system mean? What does it entail? What are the consequences? Does this mean that now this letter will be presented when I have an immigration court case I have to fight? These are all questions families have when they receive a truancy letter. And it causes a lot of panic. I am very grateful that my side lets me address every single family that walks into the building with questions around truancy letters. But I can only imagine a school where it's not fully staffed, a parent walks in, stressed, panic, and no one can talk to her over this truancy letter because everyone's either covering the class, uh, dealing with an emergency, or whatever the case might be. So what are we doing as a district to teach our families about this attendance system in SMUSD and in, in the United States, essentially? Thank, thank you, thank Jose. You. That's your time. Thank you. Rebecca? Hi, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Great, thank you. Hi, um, my name is Rebecca Pinarco. I'm a special ed teacher for um, early education. Um, I just want to, I really appreciate the presentation, but I do want to add that when we give these extra assignments to educators at sites, especially at our small sites, they feel like, oh, only some sites do like weekly CCT meetings. Yeah, that's because the same three people are on like every team at that site level because there are not that many people. And as a special educator, like I appreciate we're doing all these things. I appreciate things like CCT, but the more responsibility we push on to the site level, the less days I have and the less time I have to have IEP meetings. We've got mandatory PDs. We've got like our staff meetings, we've got CCT meetings, we've got ILT meetings. When on earth are we supposed to be having IEP meetings? Um, and that has become increasingly hard. Um, these things are wonderful, but I really do want to caution us to continue to push responsibility on staff members, especially at small sites, when these people are already shouldering a ton of responsibility. Thank you. Thank you. Jasmine? Jasmine? concludes our uh, virtual public comment.
Okay, thank you so much to everyone for providing uh, public comment. Uh, at this time, uh, we will go to item E, which is just making reference to questions and answers regarding agenda items that are linked um, in board docs with the board agenda. Uh, and with that, we will adjourn our meeting at 8.25 p.m. SFGov TV, San Francisco Government Television.